You create your life with the stories you tell yourself. Want more fun, love, and money? Then write your new story and live into it. Louis DiBianco's podcast, Change Your Story, Change Your Life, shows you how to discover your empowering story. You'll meet many successful people who have created magnificent lives, even when the odds were stacked against them. Plus, you'll learn the secrets of great storytelling that can explode your business. And now, here is your host, Louis DiBianco. What do you do when you don't like the cards you're dealt? You can complain. You can feel sorry for yourself. You can refuse to play the game altogether. Many people make those choices. Or you can decide that every hand is a perfect hand. That takes a winner's mindset. Hello, storytellers, and welcome to another episode of Change Your Story, Change Your Life. I'm your host, Louis DiBianco. I have found that one of the most powerful and enjoyable ways to grow, expand, and enrich our lives is to read great books. And our sponsor, Audible, has made that easy and fun for you by offering you an audiobook of your choice absolutely free that you can download at their website www.audibletrial.com forward slash story power. You get to choose the book that you want for more than 180,000 titles and you get access for a month to all of Audible services, absolutely free. When you get something of value from this podcast, go to iTunes, look for the title, Change Your Story, Change Your Life, leave a brief review and a rating for the show, a great way to pay this forward and to create more visibility and share this with more people. Keep your comments coming about what you're enjoying and also what you'd like to see in the show going forward. Send your comments to loseclub at gmail.com. That's L-O-U-S-C-L-U-B at gmail.com. Today's guest is a winner. He did not have a silver spoon childhood. In fact, he was born into a tough story that got tougher with time. But like the famous playwright George Bernard Shaw, our guest did not like his circumstances, so he created new ones. He really doesn't like the housing affordability crisis in America, so he founded Strategic Realty Holdings and Impact Housing that gives everyone the opportunity to own and profit from real estate. He is also, along with his wife, a philanthropist who provides free on-site social health and wellness programming to families living in apartment communities. Get ready for an uplifting chat with Eddie Lauren. Eddie, welcome to Change Your Story, Change Your Life. What an interesting intro. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, I tell my guests, uh, if it sounds interesting, you're the guy who created it. So all I did was write it down. I'm the secretary. (laughs) I like it. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Thank you. So, Eddie, where were you born? Uh, Long Beach, California, and uh, I'm a middle-aged guy. I'm 52. Well, you know, according to today's science, you're probably not middle-aged. You're not even close to it. Really? Well, yeah, I feel yeah. it sometimes. <laughs> no, really. I mean, if you start following what's happening in uh, uh, the digital um, world of medicine, uh, they're prolonging life to an astonishing degree, almost uh, you know the way we see it in science fiction films. That's right. You know, I got to just you, you prompt. I just came back last night from a trip to Auschwitz and to uh, Israel. Oh my god! And and uh, I was with a woman named Eva Kor, who's a Joseph Mengele twin Holocaust survivor. And we were able to see Auschwitz through her eyes. And it was a week long tour. And it was incredible as we 
heard her stories and saw in her mind how she just lived one more day, just one more day, and I'll get out of here. So along with your uh, your intro, I think we all have to keep in perspective how lucky we are every day to be here, no matter what the circumstances are, and just one more day, because it will get better, or it will. <laughs> well, you remind me, you must be familiar with Viktor Frankl's book, yeah, man's search for meaning. Man's search for meaning. I mean, um, the way he framed his experience in in the concentration camp boggles my mind. But uh, I mean, he refused to be broken inside. Yeah, and no matter what they did to him outside, his mind, his spirit. No, um, it's it's okay, and I'm going to be victorious and he was yeah we all have to remember that because we get uh, dealt a lot of crap no matter how successful or whatever level you're on or whatever you're doing you know the world's kind of screwy lately and uh things just happen that you can't predict and you just need to know that time keeps moving and it'll change that's one thing we can count on is change you know you know eddie one word i would take out of there is lately because I think we see the world because we're living it in it. And so we feel, God, I mean, this is, this, this world is really nuts right now. But truthfully, every period of history has felt like that to the people living it. I mean, imagine if you were alive during the, the Black Death, during the plague, when humanity was being wiped out and People were walking around feeling this is the end of the world. But it wasn't. Yep, the sun still rises every day. It sure does. And uh, although, you know what, let's continue on this path for a moment. Uh, What do you, can you give me a couple of the highlights that came out of your experience in Auschwitz in the past few weeks? Oh, just the systematic way in which the Nazis and had started with the intellectuals in Poland, not Jews, just the intellectuals, anybody who would object. And then they'd threaten the people if they were to harbor a Jew with their families. And then they slowly stripped away everybody's dignity and that's what I am all about in my business, about providing housing to lower-income people and maintaining their dignity. But I think that that's what sticks out the most is that the, the dignity was gone. And people can say, how come they didn't rise up? How come everybody allowed this to happen? And I went to Yad Vashem in Israel after, which was quite remarkable to see a memorial that was real and a memorial that was man-made, so to speak, after and to have the contrast of arriving in, in Israel as as they all did when they survived. And so that was another thing that was incredible, to be able to see the hope, because they just lived one more day, the ones that were lucky. Uh, she told us a story about the selection platform. At Birkenau, 80% of the people who got off a train went straight to the gas chambers. They burned, gassed and burned 4,000 a day at the height. And it was just to see that systematic way they did that. And the 20% stayed either if they were strong enough to work or in this one's instance, Eva, she was a twin. You're a twin? Oh, they could do all kinds of experiments. And Eva's eyes, if you look in her eyes, she's a magnificent woman. She promotes forgiveness. And a lot of her peers don't really you know, like that, because how could you forgive? I could never forgive those Nazis. You know, in 10 years from now, they'll all be gone, all these survivors. So, but going back to sitting in front of Eva and the inspiration of listening to her, I looked in her eyes and her eyes are very, very blue. Why? Because they did experiments on her to create an Aryan race. And they actually dyed her eyes, she believes, because they're so blue. They're so abnormally blue. And, you know, they were shooting for this 
perfect look and just amazing. Everybody, if they have the opportunity, if they can't get to Poland, at least go to some kind of a museum to really see and understand and take the time to, to, to put yourself in the shoes of a survivor. And it's going to be really hard to feel sorry for yourself after that. How old is uh, Eva? 85. 85. And she's going strong, I'm sure, especially oh. with this, with her, um, with her mindset, uh, that embraces forgiveness. Absolutely. Now, I'm really glad that this suddenly came up at the beginning of our interview, and I'll tell you why. My podcast is called Change Your Story, Change Your Life. And the premise is that everything, I mean, absolutely everything that we believe is a made-up story. Now, you're talking about one of the most horrendous and horrific periods in world history. Now, I want people to think about this, that the Nazis, many of these, these people, if you take away the judgment of looking at them and saying, well, they were just monsters, they were not human, that's easy to do. But if we look at them and say, no, these were human beings who had bought into a story so completely that many of them felt totally justified in what they were doing. Because you talk about killing 4,000 people a day. Now imagine that some of those Nazis went home at night and played gently with their own children had across the yeah. street across the street from Auschwitz that's the, right the, the head of the camp lived there with his children did you see the movie the uh, boy in the striped pajamas yeah. yeah yeah okay i recommend that to everybody but this is an example of how powerful uh, a narrative can become that was a narrative that was developed by one individual and he managed to get an entire nation or the majority of the people to buy into it and to participate in it and to believe it. They were living that reality. They were living out this nightmarish story and it was just a story. Thank God that a new story came along or a different story prevailed to eliminate that one. But that's the power of the human mind. Now, who influenced you the most when you were growing up? My mother. I was lucky enough to have her for 17 years. I had three older brothers who were magnificently supportive, but my mother, they were older and my mother was there and she took, uh, you know, she took four of us without a father, you know, and raised us all to be wonderfully functioning, good, good to neshuma, so to speak in Jewish, uh, good mensch, blach people. And so, you know, all the, all the trials and tribulations I saw how she struggled to make ends meet and uh you know you just say i'm gonna make things different for myself or do the best i can but you know just like eva said you know one more day that's what my mother i think did because she was you know she had no money but she always had love and respect and positive energy and she got weary of course she got weary but um she used to tell me the serenity prayer and she was not an alcoholic, but it was that serenity prayer all the time. Uh, you know, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Mm -hmm. That that, and Dale Carnegie's How to Stop Worrying and Start Living was another one that I still use as my Bible today that she read. And, uh, you know, it, life is not easy, but it's still beautiful, and it's not fair either. Uh, these are wonderful, uh, wise words that you're speaking. Um, you talk about, you said, okay, so your mother brought up the four, four children without dad. And what was yeah. the, what was the reason for that? 
Uh, he died when I was 10 months and my brothers were 10 to 14 years old and he, um, he had a couple heart attacks and just, uh, left her with us to raise. And mm -hmm. so she, she was dealt the card she was dealt. And unfortunately, um, it was a lot of burden and she really lost, she died of a broken heart, I say, at 17, when I was 17. So at 17, I was orphaned and um, went off to UCLA and put myself through school and, you know, made my way. And it's been, you know, a rocky road uh, like anybody else in this world, but um, not so bad. Well, you know, you definitely have had uh, a tougher time than many, many people have. You certainly have had a much tougher time than I've had in my life. I can tell you that. Uh, did you have a childhood dream of what you wanted to be when you grew up? I thought I was going to be a, a rock singer, <laughs> but that didn't happen. I have a decent voice or maybe in my bar mitzvah, I was, I was offered a cantorial scholarship, but <laughs> that's about it. No, I love to sing, but I don't sing that often. Uh, no, I, I really wanted to be uh, successful and make a difference in this world have a good life, have a beautiful family, which I have all those things. And more important, be able to provide value to people and dignity and respect so everybody can have a good childhood like I had. I didn't have money, but, you know, the old adage, you can be poor, but you got to be clean. That's <laughs> the thing. You got you to gotta give people, and that's what we do in, in our world of Impact Housing and, and my company, impacthousing.com. We provide lower income and workforce housing to decent folks that are working class and trying to make ends meet. And we give them dignity and respect and treat them like they should be treated. And they tend to stay, pay and refer their friends. So that's, it's a good formula. Yes, it is. It's quite wonderful. Um, why have you always been a champion of the underdog? I think, you know, I could say it almost as obvious in the things you've said so far, but I'd like to have your view on this. Everybody deserves the best shot they can have. That's why. Okay. And I, I've had mentors in my life. I've had help from people. I've reached out to get that help. It's not like anybody's come and, you know, given it to me, but if you seek, you shall find, right? That's the thing. And, mm -hmm. and I think if I can provide environments where people can change their world and have a decent place to start and a loving environment, a good sense of community, then that can translate into a better society. So mm. that's it. Well, <laughs> kind of basic, but no, uh, it's, it's a good answer. <laughs> it's an authentic and passionate answer. What pivotal events led you to create strategic realty holdings and impact housing? Oh, well, I worked for, um, you know, I was in a industrial real estate. Then I was in retail real estate and office real estate. I was jumping around trying to figure out where my was best suited. And I, I ended up working for a fella, uh, in 2000, I started and we bought a bunch of apartments and I found that I had a knack and a vision to transform older product into thriving communities. So, I did it for someone else and then ultimately started the company to do it for myself. Mm -hmm. So um, could you describe your journey to self-empowerment? Because you were constantly <laughs> running up against obstacles and things that were, were trying to diminish your, diminish your power, but you kept moving forward. I still am. You know, life is a process and a struggle i you know you're never there and you know you got to be thankful for what you don't have so you have something to look forward to is what i keep telling myself you know difficult times make you grow and you got to thank your thank the world for the limitations you have because that's what gives you a chance to build strength and character i, I mean i don't know it's it's not easy but it's it's still good. <laughs> oh, it's great. Have you? Um, I I know you mentioned Dale Carnegie. Have you uh, studied with any uh, teachers uh, who are in the field of personal development? Other than that, I've been doing something lately called Musar, which is a 
it's based on the Torah and the Jewish religion, but it's really not anything about parting the Red Sea or anything like that. It's about certain character traits, which my big one is equanimity. I like to, you know, nothing's as good or as bad as you think, and I tend to overreact sometimes when things are, you know, I think they're worse than they are or maybe thinks they're better than they are. So uh, equanimity, cleanliness, frugality, all these wonderful traits. There are 18 of them if you want to look online. And um, it's been a really good discipline because it's really just about how to conduct your life in self-control. And we all need a lot of self-control. We sure do. How do you spell that? M-U-S-S-A-R. Musar. I will look it up. So what is R-E-I-T and the vision behind it? Well, a REIT is a real estate investment trust. It's a gathering of different investors that pool assets, of, of pool money to buy a certain amount of assets, depending on how many are in, in the organization that the real estate investment trust invests in. So it's a vehicle to invest dollars. So we created it, and it, you, people can come direct without a Wall Street money manager, can invest direct in real estate investments for a minimum of $1,000. Anyone and everyone, regardless of income level or wealth, can invest. So the Jobs Act and the last administration passed, and it allows now just not just accredited investors, but non-accredited investors worldwide can invest in offerings, not just real estate, into everything. So um, it's a really cool concept, and it's great for people's IRAs and uh, opportunities for um, investment for the average person, which is great. So if a person feels, uh, if a person is economically strapped and they feel they can never own something, but they hear about you and they come to you, what would be the steps for them to profit from it and also to get affordable housing for themselves? Well, affordable housing to live in is always available, but not necessarily through us because we buy certain assets in certain markets. Like right now we're buying in Maryland. And if you live in Maryland, I can help. But, you know, so uh, depending on where they are, I think you have a pretty big reach on your on your um, on your people. But as far as getting affordable housing, there are opportunities you got to look for that um, it's pretty clear. There are certain income-restricted communities if people need affordable housing, and uh, there are waiting lists, but you should always get on them as soon as you can and try to get some assistance because it's a big problem. So it's a big business. There are millions of affordable units out there, and um, you know, just Google affordable housing in your neighborhood, and they should pop up. As far as investing with us, uh, it's a five-year investment, and so people should be investing not money they need to live on, but money they need to uh, use as retirement, which is ideal, or a longer-term investment. And it's very simple. You go on to www.impacthousing.com, and you sign up, and you can send the money in, and we will be purchasing our first assets shortly, and the dividends will come quarterly, and... Uh, Come, we offer the first seven percent as a dividend on an annual basis, which is pretty good. And then overall, after we sell, we expect people to get uh, a very solid return, including their seven percent. And that's all based on our track record, because future results aren't necessarily indicative of past results. But you can look at our past track record online at www.impacthousing.com. Hmm. Sounds intriguing. I want to check it out myself. You know, Eddie, it really sounds great. Yet, I'm amazed that very often there are things that are real opportunities for people. And it's sitting right in front of them. They really do have the means to participate. And the results are have been proven by others. And yet, something in them a voice comes up. It's a story that says, <laughs> I, I, that can't happen for me. I can't do that. And a whole negative narrative develops that kills the belief that they can invest, profit, 
create wealth, whatever. I find this a lot in people. Well, we're, we're our own worst enemies. There's no doubt. Yeah. And we have to just have a little faith based on prudent diligence, which is also a Musar trait. If you do due diligence on the investment and the investment manager that you're investing with, then we absolutely can do well because most of the time past results are indicative of future results. It's consistency. It's the diligence to make sure that you follow through. So absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, we are our own worst enemy, but people have to just take that leap. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. Um, I have certainly been my own worst enemy, and uh, there are days when I still am. <laughs> How long did it take you to feel financially strong? Oh, it's a mindset. Ah. I, unfortunately, you know, you could say it depends on your expectations. You lower your expectations and you're financially set. If you have high expectations and higher overhead, then, you know, it's all relative. Um I'm not answering your question because I don't know if we ever feel financially set. It's a, it's a sickness. I think uh, we all should be more appreciative of what we have. We have enough. So, you know, that's a, that's a, a very good question. <laughs> well, the reason I ask that is that I feel, I mean, I, you probably have found this, that I think one of the most emotional stories, the most emotional issues in people's lives is, the money story. And it's so powerful uh, beyond even a lot of people's awareness. And it's not uncommon to find people who've achieved a certain degree of admirable wealth, but they're still living with a poverty consciousness. It's like the, the, the fat person who loses a lot of weight but looks in the mirror and still sees someone who's heavy. And the person who was always worried about ending up on the street, who now has enough money to have two homes, who is still holding on to every dollar, afraid that maybe tomorrow they'll spend the dollar that will set them on the road to ruin. And that's all emotional. It's all in the head. Sure. Huh. Look, just go back to the survivors. They they always thought that the Nazis are going to storm tomorrow. You just can't sometimes change your your tapes in your head. It's very hard. I, I don't. I, you know, people are very very complex. I our best to try to get better, but uh, you know, unless you can change that narrative, like you say, it's it's very challenging. Well, I, I believe that we can do it, and what it takes, you talk about due diligence, it takes the same kind of discipline that it takes to keep your body in shape. It's exercise that must be done every single day, um, and it can be done, I mean, literally, to dramatically change the self-talk that's seems to be randomly popping up in a person's head to change the quality of that so that it starts to empower instead of steal your power and make you feel anxious, afraid, and hold you back from uh, from developing a good life. I certainly, what's helped me a lot is to do daily meditation. It, ah. makes, it, it makes a big difference, huge. For how long? How long do you do it for? 20 minutes every single morning. And can I you use, do it laying down or you have to be sitting up? No, you can be lying down. And what I've done is I have um, found I was it was someone had referred it. Actually, it was Tim Tim Ferris on his podcast made a reference to a site I recommend to everybody. It's called Headspace.com. It's a guided meditation, and they will uh, you can sign up for free, and for ten days. You can go through the process. If at the end of the 10 days you're not impressed, no problem. Just walk away. It doesn't cost you anything. If you like it, I'm paying now by the year. For the entire year, it's $95 to have access to very strong guided meditation. 
And believe me, it makes a difference when you've got the expert who's talking you through and they have themes too. So let's say you're struggling with creativity. They'll have a meditation specifically for that. And it's, it's powerful. It's really, very powerful. Highly recommended, especially when things seem overwhelming. Stop. Give you, give you an example. He has a, a short video. It's an animated video where he talks about blue sky. He wants you to think of your mind as blue sky. And those thoughts that bombard you constantly, the noise in your mind, they're just clouds. And those clouds are drifting by and sometimes they accumulate and they're so intense that they, you can't see the blue sky. And that's when you don't feel tranquil. But, but it doesn't feel like blue. I mean, it doesn't feel like just a cloud. It feels emotional, more emotional than a cloud. It's not a third party object. That's what's so interesting. Well, what's How do you well, get rid of the emotional part of that? By recognizing that a thought is just that. It triggers emotion. But if you recognize that it's just fleeting, and I, it really is, it's just fleeting, and instead of it, here's our tendency. You get a thought that's troublesome, okay? It's something bob, really bugging you. Our tendency is to attach to it. And the moment we attach to it, we're embellishing it. We're making that, we're basically developing the narrative. We're expanding the story. And it's often a bad story. Here's, a, here's an interesting example, Eddie. The quality of the questions that we ask. Something bad happens, and the tendency is to say, oh, why did that happen to me? Bad question. You allow that question to live in your mind for a few seconds, you're going to get answers, and they're not going to be pretty. Why did this happen to me? Because bad luck always happens to you. Because you just can't seem to get over into a good space, you know, because life is so, and blah, 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 blah. Before you know it, you're feeling weary. However, if you make it a conscious choice to ask this question instead, how can I make this great? You'd be amazed. Embellish that one. And what begins to happen is so powerful and liberating. I did it a few years ago. When I crashed a brand, uh, well, I, I had it for 14 months. It was uh, my first Mercedes Benz. I loved it and I totaled it. And I, wow. I, I did. I, to I totaled it, but I didn't get hurt. See, and w when I looked at the car, as soon as I stepped out of it, I said, well, this car is not going anywhere. And I remembered my mentor saying, Something like that happens. Apply the, the right questions. And I did. I looked at it. And I said, okay, how can I make this great? I got to tell you, there was the first time that I didn't hold on to that for five or six. I didn't hold on to it for 10 minutes. I began by saying, well, how can I make it great? Well, I'm great. it's great because I wasn't physically hurt. It's great because no one else was hurt at all. It's great because right. I have a great insurance that's going to cover this car. It's great because I'm going to be able to go home on a train and relax and have a great ride. In fact, when I bought my train ticket, I bought a first class ticket, sat down with a uh, a brandy and a meal and wrote in my and I wrote in my notebook. These are all the reasons why it's great. By the time I got home, I was elated. I said, you know, what's one of the benefits? I'm not going to own a car for the next couple of years. I'm going to save a fortune. I'm telling you, I never regretted crashing that car. But that's an example of not attaching to the wrong thought. Because if you attach to the wrong thought, you will experience the emotions that accompany it, and it will take you down, down, down. There it is. It's all about the story. How can a person help? Okay, you were going to say something. Go ahead. No, I'm just agreeing with you. How can a person help others while making money. And I ask that because I know it's true. And yet many people have this cliche belief. You know what? If you're going to go out to make money, then you really can help other people. 
That old yeah. idea that you're going to have to step over people. Well, some do, but a lot don't. So in your eyes, how can a person help others while making good money? There's a new category called impact investing, and mm. people should research it. You can make an impact, and you can do well by doing good. Mm-hmm. It's a very, very important concept, and it's a whole new industry. A lot of people, especially the wealthy foundations, are going to require to have a mission-related return in addition to a financial return going forward. And the ways to do that are in affordable housing and solar Solar, you know, you can invest in energy retrofit by saving water and saving the environment by investing where people can <clears throat> thrive where they live. There are many, many ways to support gender equality, only invest in people that are giving uh, jobs, micro loans uh, to low income areas. There are many, many ways that you can get a market rate return, if not superior market rate return and if you don't want to do it on your own you can do it with advisors like me or or almost every bank the wells of the world are they just developed an impact strategy goldman sachs has an impact strategy many many ways to invest in impact and that's the the goal is to make an impact and do well by doing good it is possible yeah i know it is i mean i know many many people who are extremely wealthy and they're using their wealth in a very um, beautiful way, as well as enjoying their own, you know, um, pleasures with their money. And would you categorize yourself as a person who's achieved a great degree of financial independence? Yeah, yeah. sure. I've done it with, with impact. And yeah. I didn't even know it, the word existed before. I've been doing it for years by taking blight and making light. I love that. Taking blight and making it light. That's a great one. That's a keeper. So now describe to us your healthy apartment property initiative, which I believe is a philanthropic effort yeah. that you and your wife are behind. Well, almost every one of our communities, if there are 100 units or more, have a clubhouse, a central community center. And instead of getting people to go to programming at their church or their YMCA, their hardworking people, it's hard to have another thing to do. It's much easier to capture and captivate them right where they live. So if we have a central clubhouse, we're able to provide after-school programming and health and wellness, smoothie, ed- education. We have community gardens where people can get involved and the kids can actually grow their own food in food deserts they've never even dreamed that food could be grown before. So – it's it's a way to bring healthy living and create community through health, right where people live at their doorstep. And how much time does that um, involve for you? Uh, you know, it's it's we we can you know it's an after school program. We have people out there. We you know we, we're doing it in four or five communities now, and it's really been successful. It's a matter of making sure the volunteers are are working and showing up, and the food we have food delivery from different. Um, government agencies and that requires coordination uh, my, my my wife jane is mainly spending time on that but we spend a little bit of a time on it as well um it's just part of an amenity you know there are many amenities we have fitness centers we have dog parks we have state-of-the-art you know resort style pools and we have community gardens and a nice clubhouse where people can have community gatherings so it's 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 Different, but it's not that different, you know? Eddie, do you offer all of these services to people for free? Yes, we do. Wow, that's that's wonderful. That is wonderful. You speak about a triple bottom line that Impact Housing offers people. Can you describe that? Sure. The first bottom line is, of course, financial, or why would you make the investment? The second bottom line is environmental. Saving electricity, the carbon footprint, saving water, uh, which also saves money, the first bottom line, because if you're saving expenses, you increase rents or you can save expenses. The result is the same. It's value, right? Mm-hmm. And then the third is social uh, bottom line, which is where we put in the health and wellness programming in our apartments, the happy. And how many different cities are you operating in? We're in four or five. 
four or five. Yeah, not too many. And where did it start? Oh, you know, I bought and sold properties when I started for um, my original uh, mentor. So, I mean, I've been in almost 50 states. But, um, you know, it just, just depends. There's never a good time to do a bad deal or a da- bad time to do a good deal, we always say. So you still have to look for the financial returns. And we, we go where we have relationships and we have experience and we know we can provide value and give people that clean, safe, affordable home. And uh, is there a specific kind of housing that you tend to always buy, or is yeah, it, it's yeah. mainly it's mainly what we call uh, BC class apartments. You know, they're not new; uh, they're older, but uh, tired, neglected, oftentimes, and that's how we can breathe new life into older assets, and we get a good basis because it's about your basis when you buy real estate. You need to buy it right. And you do renovation work on these places? That's right. Yeah. Mm. We, we painted, we have a beautiful sign. We want people to look at our sign and say, I only wish I could, that I could afford to live there. And once they get inside, they find they can live there and wow. they can. And then we have, like I said, state of the art fitness centers, resort style pools, all the things that the new properties have, kind of like that suave commercial if you remember that suave <laughs> does what theirs does for less than half the price that's kind of what we do so you say right now you're working uh, on this initiative in maryland yes yes we are yeah so let's say a person wanted to take part and they they wanted to get access to a two-bedroom apartment what kind of rent are we talking about uh the two-bedroom apartment there is about fourteen hundred dollars rent hmm which is, by today's standards, quite reasonable. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, you know, the the area, we always tag things to area median income. We're not going to rent to anybody who makes more than 80% of the area median income, and that's the definition of affordable workforce housing. Mm-hmm. So that's another part of things. Nice. Eddie, if you were not doing this kind of work, what else would you choose to do? Wow. That's <laughs> a this question. <laughs> I would be doing motivation, speaking, and trying to uplift people and going into the same communities. If I wasn't actually buying them, I'd be trying to help mentor and get people to start entrepreneurial concepts, ideas, and become independent like they can be. I would probably focus on trying to help people get a leg up like I had mentors myself. Have you done any public speaking? Sure, yeah, I do. Um, I'm involved in uh, next month I have a, a big thing in Los Angeles where we're speaking about opportunity zones, which is a new concept, part of the tax law. And um, there's a tax deferral to invest in distressed communities. I wrote an article in Forbes if people want to look up that. Just Google Eddie Lauren Forbes. Um, and uh, I speak at uh, various conferences Department Association conferences, IMN conferences, Opal conferences. Uh, yeah, I speak a lot because there's a lot to say. <laughs> and I'm trying to help people and, you know, network and try to make a difference in this world. That's really what it's about. I can hear it. I can hear the passion in your voice. What is an opportunity zone? Opportunity zones are areas where the governor of each state has chosen low-income areas that you can actually save you can save taxes if you sell any stock or anything and you can invest in these opportunity zones and you can avoid you know you can defer taxes and if you invest for 10 years in these new zones you can actually avoid capital gains on that new investment so it's a revolutionary new concept to help distressed communities Ironically, it's probably one of the only things that helps the poor out of this last tax reform in 2017. Wow. Wow. That sounds, uh, that sounds wonderful. Where do you see yourself in five years? Uh, doing more speaking and maybe being on more boards and doing more mentoring. What about that childhood dream of being a singer? 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, just go, I just go to synagogue every once in a while on Yom Kippur, and I sing loud, and everybody laughs, and that's the end of it. I get it out of my system. That and car in the shower. It's enough. Eddie, did I you realize that I'm, I, I, don't, I don't have the voice I thought I did? <laughs> You're familiar with uh, Al Jolson, yeah? Of course. Yeah. It's a wonderful film, the Al Jolson story. My father used to love it. Uh, for, for those who are going, what? Who's Al Jolson? Tell us who Al Jolson is. You can tell us. He was a singer in the 20s, 30s, a Jewish singer that actually painted his face to look like he was African-American or colored or whatever you want to say. And he sang Mammy. <laughs> and mm-hmm. um, he ultimately did a movie called The Jazz Singer, which is, is about a boy whose father's a cantor and in the old country. And he's able to... Um, become a cantor and fulfill his father's dreams. It's a wonderful story. Yeah, it is. It's, it's quite something. I know that today would be shocking because here you got this, this, uh, white Jewish kid who basically goes out in blackface, you know? Right. But, uh, no, it was, it was a very wonderful film. Um, what is your favorite book? Oh, my favorite book. Um, I don't really have one. I mean, I, I told you my Bible is how to stop worrying, start living. That's I refer to that often. But you know, I love stories of uh, people that are you know like the Obama, his story from from a neighborhood organizer to become president of the United States. These are compelling stories of and biographies that are inspiring and make you feel like it's worth uh, fighting. And there is hope. I like hopeful books. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do too. Are you familiar with The Obstacle is the Way? No. It's quite wonderful because it's about, I mean, it, it really does express the philosophy that you are living by. That it's the, based on the Stoic philosophers that look at all circumstances as uh, things that we should totally embrace and instead of looking at it as, oh, that's an obstacle that I must avoid. No, the obstacle is the path. It is the way. And with that attitude, uh, life takes on an exciting element of challenge. And it becomes enriching. It's written by a young guy named Ryan Holiday. The obstacle is the way. I think you might enjoy it. Okay. Do, do you have a favorite quote? Uh, there's never a good time to do a bad deal or a bad time to do a good deal. <laughs> and, and, and the, who is, who said that? Said you, you said it, right? <laughs> uh, actually, I think, uh, one of my mentors said it. I don't know. Eddie, if you could wave a magic wand and change just one thing in the world, only one now, what would it be? I would make people less polarized. I'd, the sense of cooperation seems to be gone, and it would be nice for everybody to work together and solve problems together rather than being so opposite. Because, you know, you can't, you go out to dinner and you can't talk to this one about politics or you'll get in an argument. It's just too much. It, it, everybody needs to come together to the middle. I agree. You know, it's interesting when you say that um, the sense of cooperation is gone. Once again, I think that you're right in terms of it being a prevalent feeling. Certainly we see it a lot emphasized in the media. But there are so many communities and individuals in powerful places who are all about cooperation and developing a, a sense of inclusion rather than exclusion. Yeah, well, we need more of them. You know, you're familiar with the name Joe Polish. No. You might check him out. He has um, several podcasts. One is the Genius Network. The other one is I Love Marketing. But he is a marvelous human being who came from absolutely nothing. Had, talking about having a bad hand dealt to you. He'll, he tells his story. It's quite inspiring. But today he's extremely wealthy. And um, one of his main passions is to change the global conversation around our understanding of addiction. And uh, he's helping a lot of human beings in the world. 
And certainly, with the Genius Network, creating a, a place where people cooperate and include and support one another. It's quite wonderful. Eddie, how can people contact you? Just through the website, www.impacthousing.com. Very simple. Just info at. Any final thoughts for our storytellers? No, I, I just, you've asked some very pointed questions. It's been a very lovely dialogue. And, you know, we all struggle every day and nobody's, nobody's immune. We all do the best we can and we got to be satisfied and thankful and grateful that we can have an opportunity to turn a negative into a positive. But just to be thankful for our troubles because they can become your blessings. You see, you just, in a different way, paraphrased the entire book, The Obstacle is the Way. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, thankful for your troubles. Yeah. Eddie, it's been wonderful. I sense your authenticity, your passion, your humility, and you've contributed a lot to the, um, to the show today. Thank you. It's been a pleasure to be with you. And thank you once again, storytellers, for spending time today with me and Eddie Lauren. There were many inspiring moments in our conversation today. Remember to pay this forward. Let people know that they can hear this on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, and at the website, changeyourstorypodcast.com. Also, don't hesitate to visit the site and grab your free gift, the ebook that I have created for you, Storytelling Secrets for a Rich Life and Business. Eddie and I spoke about several really life-changing books. Go to www.audibletrial.com forward slash story power and choose any book that you want as an audiobook, downloadable for free, and you get to choose from more than 180,000 titles. Plus, you will get an entire month of all of Audible services absolutely free. One of the most memorable things that I take away from today's talk with Eddie is the way he embraces life and takes on everything that comes at him and turns it into something valuable and positive. That is a very resourceful, it is a winner's mindset. I love his expression of turning blight to light. So for next week, I want you to look at your life and choose something that has been and still is a major obstacle to you. Every time you think about it, it troubles you and it seems to be overwhelming and maybe even insurmountable. And this time, look at it and ask the question, how can I make this great? And to help you, along the way toward transforming that obstacle into a benefit, something that will help you grow, start by asking, how can I change my story and change my life? Tune in to the next episode of Louis DiBianco's podcast. Become unstoppable as you learn to change your story, change your life.